What's going on, everybody? Welcome in Grey Cup. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are your Grey Cup champions back to back. Grey Cup champions. (laughs) Wow. Wade, how you doing? You all right? Oh, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I texted like five people when Mazzoli took over. He threw like two passes and I was like, yep, Mazzoli's doing it. This is this is how he is going to go. He's going to get benched in the Eastern Final, come back the next week in for an injured Dane Evans, and he's going to say a big old f you because I am that man. But he couldn't do it I, because uh, of a rouge, which ended up sending us to overtime, and Winston Rose making the all-time assist on an interception that got deflected twice i uh, so I, I close know you were i know you were so torn on that play uh, the oh. db or like the, the defensive player the linebacker in you absolutely loves the play this high cats fan fan in you I, honestly also, I, I, I don't understand so you're throwing to the field you hitch twice like if you hit yeah. once to the field there's a corner that is going to make you pay you hitch twice the half is able to fall under it, and you still try to make that throw. Like it almost got there, but why? Man. Like he wasn't you... pressured in the pocket. He hitches twice, and then he chooses to throw a line to the field. Like, uh, I don't you... even like the offensive play. You don't realize how wide that field side is until you are standing on the you hash know. and you're looking field side, and you're going, "Oh man." You no, know, you know like, it looks long on film, but to like actually stand at the hash and look to the field side and yeah. be like, yeah, like it, it's another level. Um, but yeah, the play by Winston Roseman. What oh. the hell? That's just freakish athleticism. Goodness. We're not even gonna describe it for people yet because like if you haven't seen it, I, I can't help you. But um, when we're looking at this game, like we got overtime in a gray cup. We got warm weather football in December, so we're not complaining. We got wind that affected coaching decisions. And I want to talk about this. Uh, Coach Orlando Steinauer had a great, right at the end of the third quarter, timeout decision. But um, So let's go through this game because he had overtime. We had a home team playing in the Grey Cup, and it was a predominant home crowd. We had quarterback in controversy that has been a thing with the Ticats all year. Play itself out in the Grey Cup due to an unfortunate injury. Uh, we had Andrew Harris making plays. We had Nick Densky making plays. We had Willie Jefferson being a force all over the field uh, from SWAT and passage, just straight up applying pressure. Um, it was everything that this game could have been, it lived up to. And I'm so happy that this was the Grey Cup we got after missing the 2020 year. Man, I, I tweeted it out. I was like, after this was the gray cup that we all needed as CFL fans after this long year off and like just the way it played out the way that it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of represented this whole off season as a whole, right? Like Hamilton goes up big and everybody's like, Oh, we're it's over. Like it's good. And Winnipeg's kind of like, Oh, down and out, down and out. Nope. Coming back. So I, I don't know. Like I just, and then to go to overtime and the play that the play that Winston Rose made and I, we'll get to it. But in the overtime, like Andrew Harris was running like a man that was not going to lose the football game. But this is the this is the, we'll we'll start at the back and work our way forwards, I guess, because with Andrew Harris in overtime, like, this is the kind of physicality that he brings to the table. And that's the kind of physicality that teams 
when you rely on a power run game and a power back like that, this is what you hope for is that in the fourth quarter, and if you play a fifth frame in overtime, you have beaten up and physically worn down the defense so much that you start to see those extended carries. You start to see guys fall off of tackles. Um, and it was good to see Andrew Harris not hit the uh, over because I was a, one of the few people saying under. I know DT actually said under two. Uh, we we're kind of standing on an island with that. But he finished with 80 yards, uh, only two receptions for three yards. So didn't have as much of an impact in the uh, past game as I thought he was going to have, but uh, certainly a factor with 18 carries on the ground. Yeah, the impact that uh, that Andrew Harris had on the game, despite the yardage, despite, you know, hitting some of those unders, um, was still insurmountable. Like, he, he was kind of one of the guys that changed the game late for Winnipeg. On the flip side, Don Jackson in the Ticats backfield, I believe we said over on Don Jackson, did not get there 59. Six, six and a half yards off. 59 rush yards, 11 carries. This guy had a good game as well, despite, you know, looking at his yardage, you're like, oh, 59 yards. But, but he he still had, he had 100 yards from scrimmage because he added six he for did. 48 in the passing game. And one of the biggest ones I thought was the look back screen. They ran it yeah. right at Willie Jefferson. Yes, they did. They kind of ran the fake bubble and then all of a sudden Missouli popped back and who on earth would try to throw a ball over Willie Jefferson is beyond me. Uh, Jeremiah Missouli. He literally went like, oh, you want to keep batting him down? You want to keep batting the slants down at the line? All right, bat this down. Yeah, you have to throw the ball to like a 14-foot apex, though, on your trajectory to get it over him. But either way, Don Jackson got Hell that ball play. on the look-back screen. I was like, that is the ballsiest call. Yeah. Because you kind of get Willie Jackson no better time. downhill uh, with the action, and then all of a sudden he pulls up and comes up field towards Missoli, and I was like, oh, here it comes. And then he goes to throw it over top. And I'm like, oh, this is this is a pick six waiting to happen. <laughs> but no, he got it to John Don Jackson's hand. I thought he had a great impact on the game. They they stuck to their ground game after going down seven nothing, and it paid off for them so much in this game. It really did. It really did. But one of one of the downfalls, one of the pitfalls for Hamilton in this game, as well as they did play. I mean, look at their numbers on first down. They had 216 yards. On first down alone, they were averaging 12 yards on first downs, but they weren't so hot on second down when they were put into positions where they needed to convert only 45 yards, two yard average on second down. That's huge. You need to convert those plays, right? Like can't rely on these home run shots. Can't rely on these big look back screens. Can't rely on Steven Dunbar to be open downfield all game long at a certain point when you're in these, you know, second and short or second and convertible situations you need to make the plays. Let's talk about the coaching decisions because I thought, you know, we, you heard me talk about the last play in overtime because that's the play that everyone's going to focus on because it decided the game and it was a fantastic play on the behalf of the Winnipeg defense. Um, but in the, in the game, the wind was such a factor and this is where like true coaching genius shows itself. The Tigers took an early timeout in the second half. They took it right towards the end of the third quarter. And what this forced them to do was it forced Winnipeg, instead of just draining the clock, flipping the field and having the wind at their back to kick out of their own end zone, it forced O'Shea to make the decision, do I kneel and take a safety or do I kick into the wind and potentially give up seven and for sure give up three? Because that ball was not going the distance. Uh, so they decided to take the safety. And because Coach Orlando Sinai had taken the timeout, it also forced them to kick off into the wind 
from the safety. So the Ticats got the two points plus the extra field position. So that was a hell of a coaching decision by Coach O. And it's going to be forgotten. It's going to be left to the dust because they did not end up pulling this game out. Yeah, I agree. Hamilton did so much right in this game. And in my opinion, really, they were the better team for what? 54 minutes in this game, really? I mean, up until kind of the end of the fourth quarter into the overtime, I would say no, up Hamilton, until they took up until they took the Rouge, they were the better team. Okay. Can we like, since, since we're on this, can we talk about this? Like, I, I, let's, let's talk about this Rouge call a little bit. Um, we, we have to get to it eventually. You just mentioned it. Why not start on it? I understand what was going on in the situation. Like really you, I you, don't No, but hold up, hold up, hold up. So you don't take this knee, right? And you go down the field and you kick a field goal. That is the realistic expectation. Not wrong on this. Okay. They take, they take the knee anyways, and now they're kicking for the tie game. But so let, let's play this out in a world where he doesn't take the knee. What if he only gets it out to, what if he's downed inside the 10? What if he's downed inside the 15? Now you're relying on a 75, 80 yard drive to get, you know, all the way down the field to get into field goal position in wind. That was terrible all game long. So I don't know if it was, if it was more so a coaching decision because of this wind or what either way to take this knee though, when I was watching it, there's like, I'm not going to lie. I, I did sit there and scratch my head. I can't say that I didn't like my immediate reaction was what the hell is going on here. No, but that's now, because it should be your this, reaction. I, you, no, that's because it is. You You're down two points. You, you have a two-minute drill offense. Let's not forget that the ball, the clock is stopped after first downs in the CFL. So you have a ton of time, okay? An abundance of time. You have Jeremiah Masoli who has done it before. It's not like you have a rookie quarterback and you're trying to save him every single second possible. And it can't you be stated enough. He was playing great football in this He game. had five incompletions all game, and that includes the pick in overtime and the drop touchdown pass towards the end of the game. In this situation, I'm trusting Jeremiah Masoli to get the ball down the field. He has he had done it all game long. He ended up doing it with yes. 16 seconds to spare. They had enough time on the clock to get all the way down. Dom Magala hit his field goal. The snap hit at six seconds. You're telling me that they they use their timeout at the end of the drive. So you you had a timeout in your pocket. You are telling me that the 15 yards, if you're saying he only gets the 20, you're telling me the 15 yards is worth you not winning a game? Because let's face it, you kicked the field goal. You would have kicked the field goal either way, except this time you would have been up a point instead of tied. You played for the tie by taking the rouge. I agree. I, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I do. I want to throw another. Let's like, are you a community guy? Have you seen the episode where they throw the dice yes. in the air and the pair? Okay. I'm just making sure. Yes, make sure. I know. So let, let's throw the, let's throw the dice in the air. Let's create another parallel universe here. So dice goes up in the air. Let's say it lands on four. Okay. So let's say that this was a mistake on maybe Tim White's behalf. Not, I'm not saying it was, I'm saying Honestly, that's, hypothetical. What, that's, what what I, that's what my first thought was. Because was, he's not a guy forget? that doesn't have to. He's not a guy that has to do this on a game to game 
game. But that was races. my first thought: was did he forget he's in the CFL and concedes a rouge? Yeah. Like, did he, honest to God, think he was just taking a touchback? That was my first thought: was oh, maybe he forgot it was a rouge. But then I'm like, no, There's it's no the way. Grey Cup. But there's no way it, that that mental error seeps its way into your special teams unit, a well-coached special teams unit. I there's agree. There's no way that seeps in. I agree. There, there, there realistically shouldn't be. Hamilton is a very well-coached Coach special team. has a very good special teams unit. But, I do not think that would happen. But, no, I know. But Poppy White is the guy that normally does it, right? He's not in the game. Tim White doesn't really do this. I mean, doesn't really do this as much as Poppy White does. Yes, he has had to do it, and yes, he has experience doing it. But when you haven't had to do it in a while, when it's not something that you know you're practicing on a week to week basis now, does that kind of old no, habits die hard thing in the kick meetings. in? Okay, but no. what if? What if? You know what? what? If? The worst part is we're never going to know the truth on this because no. Coach Steinauer will take the bullet. And say, oh, it's we wanted the the time on the clock. We wanted the extra yard field position yards. But like, and that's why everybody loves your him. end zone. Yes, it is. And quite frankly, we don't know if he's going to be in the CFL next year because there's a big rumor about him going to the NCAA to Washington, right, uh, where his family's it. from. Yeah, he, he's rumored to take the I think it's the DC job at U Washington. He's from Washington State. His family lives there. I think his father in law or someone on his side played at the University of Washington, like, there are family ties there. And now that his kids are grown up, I I mean, he was an NCAA guy through and through before he came to Hamilton and back to the CFL. So what do you do, I mean, if you're Hamilton and Coach O you says, pray, yeah, I'm taking that job? You, you pray that he does not go. Because <laughs> uh, you can't, like, financially, you can't match. No, no, you, no. You can't match an NCAA program. That's, you're a pro league. You can't match an NCAA Power 5 it's hard for NFL teams to do that. Yeah, like you're talking – some coaches get $10 million, Like a good position coach, you're going to be making a half a million dollars. Yeah. So oh, Sorry, not a good position coach. A good coordinator, you could be making a half a million dollars to a million dollars. Like you could be in that range. So there's lots of money that could be available for him. Uh, and it's, his roots are back there too. So you never know. But uh, when we look at this game, like – we will hold ourselves accountable. We said we would. Our gambling. We hit the spread. We hit both team totals, 23 and a half and 20. We hit both. Uh, we missed Zach Calaris' under by a yard and a half because it was 238 oh. and a half. You said, oh, they're pretty much asking him to throw for 240. And well, he goes Connor, out and he does. He threw 240 on the dot. Uh, Congratulations on your gray cup, Zach Caleros. Dane Evans over completions we missed because of the injury but Mazzoli had 20 and Dane had four so I mean likelihood <laughs> if Dane had played we probably would have hit that because it was looking promising early on yeah uh, Brandon yeah. Banks we, we said over on the yards uh 57 and a half we missed that we missed Kenny Lawler as well which I was surprised um he didn't even have too many targets uh in the game he was only at five targets for three, he caught three of them for 41 yards. So even at that, he almost passed it. Uh, Andrew Harris under in rushing yards. Got that one. Nailed it. Uh, Don Jackson over in rush yards. We missed by six and a half, which we said earlier in the show. And then my anytime touchdown score with Jeremiah Masoli. You're so close. So, so many close. red zone trips. So many chances inside the 10-yard line. 
Oh, oh so close to the plus 700 so magic. Um, but once Dane Evans got hurt, I was like, wow, this is a huge plus for that. <laughs> that I do that looks to... like good money now. <laughs> yeah. I do want to circle back to, to the speedy B bet though. Cause I said under, so you did say under, but, you had... for me, but I missed, I missed on Tim white. I you will did. hold you... myself accountable there. I missed on Tim white. You had uh, an and he was my any, anytime touchdown too. DT had a good day though. He had a oh, he had the over he on interceptions for both teams. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, the tie cats to score touchdown in the fourth quarter because Winnipeg's defense has been that stingy. Mm. Um, let's talk about that for a second because Hamilton they uh they kicked two field goals uh late in the game, obviously, the one to send them into overtime uh was 13 yards, the other one was 10 yards, so they were in the red zone twice in the fourth quarter, both times third and three and then obviously at the end of the game uh third and six that one i understand but the third and three at the start of the fourth quarter you're going into the wind up 12 or sorry up nine at that point you pushed it to 12 with the field goal hindsight's 2020 we know but connor what would you have done in this situation because i have a couple thoughts on on this i've seen a lot of people saying oh cowards move to kick the field goal uh what are your thoughts I mean, at that point in the game, I'm taking the points. I, I mean, I'm not going to, like, yeah, call me a coward, say it's a coward move, but whatever. I mean, at that point, you're f- pushing it to a two-score game. So, yeah, I, I'm going to take an opportunity for almost a surefire chance to make it a two-score game versus, you know, potentially losing a possession and it's still – you know, a nine point game and Winnipeg gets the ball back and you're giving the ball back to what has been the best team in the CFL up to this point. Okay. Here's I'm with you on the field goal. Here's my thinking on it. Okay. Look at this. You trust your defense. This defense has carried you this year. Winnipeg's offense has been dominant. They haven't touched the end zone once this game, that 10 points was field goal, field goal, field goal, and a rouge to get them there. This puts you to 12 points with the field goal. Two-score game. You have not given up a touchdown yet. You trust your defense. You take the points. Push it. So you're saying you agree with the field goal? Yes, 100%. Okay. Thank you. Thank I don't you. care I don't care if you're on the three. That is a momentum shift because if you give up the nine points yep. and you, you lay it and you – Okay, people will say, well, if you trust your defense, go for it on the goal line. No, it's such a momentum shift for you to fail on the three-yard line as opposed to kicking the field goal. And I have two things here. I have two things here. One, one, if you, let's say, again, we'll, we'll throw another dice in the air here. Let's say you, they're in that situation, third and three. They don't kick the field goal. They go for it. They miss. Now... Game plays out as it does. Let's say nothing comes of that Winnipeg drive, whatever they punt. Um, Now, in this situation, as the game plays out as it does, you're down by six, forced to go for a touchdown to tie the game instead of a field goal to tie the game. Look, here's the the thing. They only gave up a field goal that next drive. Like, we're talking, you still had nine points up. (laughs) With yeah. eight minutes and the ball, you so, just went two and out and then gave up a touchdown right away. My other thing 
with Hamilton's defense is it started to scare me a little bit going late into that game because I don't want to pick on him too much because he is a very, very good player, talented, talented player. But when he was rolled down into that halfback position, Tunde Adelike got exposed a little bit by a very, very creative Winnipeg offense. I think Winnipeg recognized it's not so much on no, on Tunde's inability to play half. But I don't want to say exposed. I want to say created, he he did. He got exposed by very creative scheming from Winnipeg. I, I think want to Winnipeg say recognized on inexperience. That's yes. that's a better word than it because exposed is like you got shown that you're a scrub. That's what well, that's what getting no, exposed ex- is like. Exposed in the sense your that, lions get exposed. Yeah, well, year. the lions suck. <laughs> But I'm I'm not saying exposed in the sense that he sucks, but I think just exposed in the sense that Winnipeg realized that they had Winnipeg realized that Hamilton was playing with a delicate at half, which he you're right, inexperienced at half. So Winnipeg realized that and picked on him because of that. Not necessarily he was exposed because he sucks. He was just um, he's been playing. They found the they found a weeks at half. He has, but they found they found a way to exploit him maybe that's a better word exploit an opportunity for for an inexperienced player and one more guy that that i want to talk about before we before we move on because there's a pretty big debate coming out of this game uh nick dembski for the winnipeg blue bombers had we're talking about you know guys that played well how about nick dembski in this game for winnipeg that juke was nice (laughs) so good that's all i've got to say that that juke was nice um, no, 27, I, I, 27 receiving yards, but he had a huge touchdown, uh, and he was just solid even it, it, as a run blocker all game long. Uh, Nick Dembski, dude, sneaky. He did this last. He, sorry, he did this in twenty nineteen as well. Yeah, big players, <laughs> big time <laughs> plays, and big time moments. But uh, no, Dembski, congratulations. Let's move on to the big questions, though. Mazzoli, I know it's Dane Evans next year, but Mazzoli is not making this an easy decision. As poorly as he played <laughs> in that, like in this stretch run, he had a hell of a great cup. I uh, like he's not going quietly into the night. I think it's going to be Dane Evans, though. Yeah, I think that over the course of uh, maybe this, yeah, I guess over the course of this season, over co- over the course of the playoff run, the team just felt like it gravitated more to Dane Evans this year. Uh, it really felt like, you know, this was kind of Dane Evans, Hamilton Tiger Cats team. And I think that's the momentum that you have to ride going into the 2022 season. Uh, I, I do really believe that it's going to be, you know, a Dane Evans led Hamilton team when it's all said and done when we hit June in 2022. Uh, now that's not to say that Masoli is going to be out of the league. I think that the way that he played in the limited time that he had, I mean, dude, this guy played unbelievable in the, you know, four or five games that they needed him to play well in leading into the playoffs and then showed up when he needed to after Evans got hurt in this gray cup and, you know, played lights out football. So over what Dane Evans has done in the last, you know, two, three years over what he's done this last season, I think that Masoli is going to, land on his feet somewhere as a starter in the CFL. It's just a matter of where and who needs Atlantic him. Schooners. <laughs> they need a team first. First overall pick. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. It's Dane. It's Masoli has been very frustrating. Dane's been consistent. Um, I think they're probably going to go with Dane Evans. But uh question is, where does Masoli go? 
Ottawa. It's the only place that like it's the, it's the only place that makes sense. I believe they tried to make a trade for him this season too, if I'm not mistaken from our sources. But um, no, it's uh, it's it's going to be Ottawa. Like it's the only BC's, BC's set. Edmonton says they're set with Nick Arbuckle, in hard air quotes. Calgary has Bo. Saskatchewan's Fajardo. Zach Caleros is the reigning MOP. You're not going to get rid of him. Hamilton's where he's coming from. VA is in Montreal. And Trevor. MBT, and Trevor Harris. MBT sitting in Toronto. Can't forget about Antonio Pipkin there. And Ottawa is just waiting for Masoli. So oh, you don't uh, believe a duck? I don't oh, believe man. in Matt Nichols. I don't believe in Matt Nichols. That's the real one. Um, but a little programming note for Connor and I. <laughs> one uh, we had to get one last one in on Nichols before the season ended, eh? Yes. Uh <laughs> One programming note for Carl and I, we are only doing this episode this week. Next week, we are going to hit you with our holiday special. That is right. It is the time of the year where we make way too early predictions on U Sports and also give you guys some guys to look at for the draft. We're going to do another episode before the new year. And then once we are into 2022, we will be back with our twice a week All Canadian as we get ready for cfl draft and cfl combine season what a great time of the year draft season starts like five weeks ago for us but you know now we get to bring it to light for everyone else oh i'm so excited i'm so excited the cfl season may be over but draft season is just just around the corner there's a ton of guys in this class i haven't quite picked out my Mark Antoine Ducroix yet for 2022. So I'll have to have that ready. <laughs> I will. I will have that gift wrapped, bow tied, ready under the tree for the Christmas special episode so that Wade can unwrap my favorite player from 2022, or at least my early favorite player for the 2022 class. I'm excited to get to draft season though, man. It's been, uh, it's been a long time. We won't have this weird double class this year. So it'll be a little bit easier to figure out you know, what, what the hell is going to happen, but we'll see. And then there's always going to be these American players, these Jake Burt's, these Jordan Williams, shout out Jordan Williams winning rookie of the year, but. Shout out Jake uh, Burt not dressing a single game because Nicola Kalinich is sitting right there and is, has the impeccable shoe game. Oh my God. Please tell me you saw the air forces. Did you see them at some point in the game? Ah, I did. Yeah. I was looking at, I was looking at his feet. He looked good. He looked good. And uh, Steven Dunbar having a huge game in the Jordan 11 cool grays. Must say, catching yeah, a touchdown. You're, you're jealous. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, do you know what time I woke up? I woke, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're gonna get. We're gonna talk a little bit of shoes here because the season's a little bit over. They're called the Cool Grays. Gray Cup was just played. I can make a stretch. Long walk, short drink of water. Um, so these shoes released on Saturday. The Jordan Eleven Cool Grays. First time they had released since 2010. Right. So everybody wanted them. Super sought after. I worked until one in the morning. I woke up at six in the morning just to try to fight a bunch of robots on the internet for shoes that I knew I wasn't going to get. And then I did it again to myself at 10 o'clock for the, for the, like the second release at 10 o'clock and the robots won again. And then it was awful. And then Dunbar I had to watch the there wearing them as cleats. As cleats. I, not only Dunbar, <laughs> But Jordan Murray as well, offensive lineman for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But then Jordan Murray took a dumbass penalty in those cleats as well. So he lost points. 
Yeah, lost points. Either way, either way, Connor is upset about his cool gray Jordans. Uh, we will get more into shoe talk. We might even have a best cleat heat of the year. I feel like uh, we got to bring like Josiah back on for that one. What are we talking about? There's tons of guys that rock jades around the league, Connor. I yeah, but he's a, he's a big shoe guy, though. <laughs> we, uh, we will definitely get you guys your draft content and your sneaker ratings. The sneaker power rank that will that's what we're gonna call them but, oh uh, man like like cleats like cleats that were yeah. worn this season yeah oh i already have like folders saved on my phone don't worry there we go you're gonna be in charge of the power rankings but uh for connor and i at connor r o'neill at wade zank at cf perspective thank you guys so much for the support this year it was great to see people out at merit brewing uh holiday special coming up next week with our way too early use voice predictions. The more I see, the less I'm willing to believe. It's too hard in here.